You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. All right, a few months ago, uh, I shared a message with you from Genesis chapter 1. I'm sure you all remember it like it was yesterday. And I discussed the the very powerful reality that God did not intend to create only once. That we look at creation and, and think that's when God created. But what God had revealed to me was that that was not a one-time thing. That was the beginning of creation. And that by His design and by His plan, He would create anew by every matter and manner of creativity and imagination. I love, I, I love imagination. I love people who are imaginative because I get asked this question about it. Imagination, it, we, we think it's something original. All that's really happening is that we're discovering something that God already knew. Now, no one else might have, have realized that yet, but we're not going to come up with something that doesn't already exist in the mind and the heart of God. So imagination is simply... the the understanding of that which God has already created. I also shared, because it was coming out of a scripture where he talks about giving them the seed for the trees and everything that he would want them to plant. And with everything new planted, with everything new growing, there was potential that could be realized only by this recreation, recreation process. This morning, I want to share something similar a similar thought that God brought through a very strange way, and I probably will never share how I got this message. This one was kind of private between me and God. That's going to leave you in a real odd spot, isn't it? <laughs> Seems like there's a few things right here I ought to rule out, but I'm not going to. <clears throat> this was the picture that was given. As we absolutely understand, don't question this, that when we were born, physically born, we started to die. That's a, that's a very known, known piece of information. We're born, we start to die. Physically, our birth started the dying process whereby we would change regularly by this aging process. Uh, as I shared with y'all, some of you recently, I had someone come and tie the roof of our deck on around to the rest of the house. And I looked up there and thought, I can, I can shingle this. I can shingle this rest of this. Well, for two days, I don't know how much shingling was going on, but there was a tremendous amount of managing fear. Because I remembered when I got up there about 25 years ago, I said, I will never get on top of a house again. But I started. I shingled as much of it as I could off of a ladder, which is a terribly slow process. I'm not as strong as I used to be, so I can't carry a bundle of shingles up on my shoulder like I used to. I I would get eight shingles, carry them up, put them up, go down, get eight shingles. And so that was my process of shingling. I'm realizing all the time, going in the house and Jan's talking about wishing she could do something she used to do. The aging process announces that with every part of this process, something is changing. Again, no big surprise. Anybody that's getting older is realizing there's things we can't do anymore. However, when you involve God in anything, he reverses the order. 
when Jesus was at the wedding feast at Cana of Galilee, the tradition was to serve the best wine and it, until you get it gone and then you're serving the worst last. But when Jesus got in the story, they were amazed because now at the end of the banquet, there was the best. Jesus will always change the order. So the order got changed. When we were born again, we started the living process. Our physical birth started a dying process. Our being reborn started a living process whereby we change regularly by this renewal, by this rebirth process. Isn't that interesting? We're not confused. Born physically starts this dying process, changing all the time as I get older. Born again, here in this moment, I start the living process. What does it look like? It looks like this, always higher, always greater, always in this relationship, always changing by this living process that we're now in with him. I don't think it's confusing. Had thought about it before, this is what God began to bring. The singular moment when we were born again, your story, my story, the testimony of I was Now I am. I was lost. I was undone. Now I'm saved. Now I'm complete in him. Now I'm whole. I was born again at eight years old, sitting on the side of the bed with my mom. What a a momentous occurrence. I was born again into a life of faith. I was born into a life of fellowship. I was born into a life of encounter. I was born into a life of revelation. I was born into a life of power. It was not intended, though, to be a singular moment, but rather the beginning of many moments of being born again and born again and born again. Now, I'm not talking about being saved multiple times, but I am telling us, I'm telling you, I'm telling myself as God revealed it, that in this living process that started in that that momentous moment at eight years old sitting on the side of the bed, that it, would be a, that it would be a moment where I would be born again, born again, born again, and born again. The word again in there means born from above, born anew. Go with me to John chapter 3. This is where we hear Jesus say it to Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. What changed for you in that moment? Jesus is telling Nicodemus about this moment in our lives where the biggest changes would ever occur. You're never going to really be changed quite like that moment. I hope you know that. I hope you organize in your head, organize in your heart the momentous nature of all that occurred in the moment of your salvation. You were changed from a sinner to a saint. You were changed from guilty and condemned to being righteous. You were changed from darkness into light, changed from bondage to freedom, from weakness to strength. You were born from, from you would never be alone. You will never be forsaken. You're accepted in the beloved. 
You were changed from an orphan to a child of the king. You were changed from hell to heaven. And the list continues. What a moment in your life when you were born again. Born anew. Born from above. Something that only God could ever do. I hope you have correctly calibrated that moment. I hope when you stand and praise God when the songs come up, I hope the place in your heart from which you sing is the gratitude for the extreme nature of that transformation. Where would you be without it? You would be back in that list, sinner, guilty, dark, bondage, weak, alone, orphan, hell. That would be your story. What is it now that brings this this amazing praise to our hearts and to our lips. You're a saint, you're righteous, you're light, you're freedom, you're strong. You're accepted in the beloved. You're a child of the king. Heaven is your destiny. Heaven is your eternity. That is what God has done. And I hope it's correctly calibrated because if you're sitting there this morning in any form of reserve, apparently we don't still understand the magnitude of what Jesus did that allowed us to be born anew. There has never been such a moment in our lives before then Or will there ever be one after truly that moment changed everything? I hope you know it. The truth revealed in this message about this moment of being born from above has largely come from a collection of recent teachings that kind of culminate in this reality. I've been teaching out of Romans. I've been teaching out of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6. I've been teaching on Tuesday nights about how to move things from theory and concept to the reality of our everyday. There's a lot of teaching being on. It's it's culminating in some of these thoughts this morning. Here's the picture of it. I will be born anew. I will be born again, born from above with every new revelation, with every new encounter with the Holy Spirit, every truth released and received, every moment of fellowship Every new person that God brings into our story, we are transformed by every single moment. Now, I hope, I hope this is beginning to create something in you. I don't know if it will or not. I know what it did in me. What it began to do was to recognize that when God brings a revelation, I'm not the same person I was before he revealed it. When I have an encounter with God, I'm not the same person. I should never wake up today the person I was yesterday when I woke up because I have had encounters with God. I have had revelations with the Creator God. I have had dynamic things, small things, big things happen in my life. And I'm hoping that for you and for me, we recognize that each moment was designed to transform us. Change us, move us, grow us. Everything, every moment, every time in the heart of God saying, I have put you in this living process when you were born again. I stopped the dying process. I've replaced it with this living process. And just as you expected to be changed by the the dying process, I want you to be expecting to be changed by the living process. Transformed. Moment by moment. One of the biggest questions that I have in God allowing us to, to make a change in our lives and retire, and I don't, again, I don't have any idea what all that looks like. 
But I do, but I do know this. I do know that he's not done. I don't think that this is the end of something. I believe that he's transforming us into what's next. Collectively as a body. I do believe that there is a powerful what next that we now have an opportunity to discover if we don't, at a dogged determination, try to hold on to something because that would have been my nature. I don't want to leave. I don't want to yield this place. I don't want to, for any, I love it here. And I could stand and defend it, but God said, that's not my plan. It's not what I have in mind. We get, we get to recognize that I'm born again, born again, born again. I should never wake today the same person I was yesterday. So why bring this up? I bring it up because it's become amazingly obvious in many small ways, not particularly large ones, that most of us have changed very little in our maturity or walk every day and on the ground with the Holy Spirit. Now, I can't do that inventory for you. I can't do this inventory that would tell you, okay, I want you to examine how far you've come. You've been a believer for how many years? You've been in this living process how long? How much have I changed? Well, it's, it, it becomes obvious, and there's not an indictment in this. There's a question to be raised. How much have I changed? Having been a believer for now, for me, do some quick math, uh, 60, 56 years. How much have I changed? If I revisit my personal worship, let's go to that category for just a second. Personal worship. Have I grown? Am I better now? When we start singing or when I'm alone and when I'm just in, in, in these intimate moments with God, am I more capable now of, of beginning to sing in ending up in this, for lack of a better word, this high praise where I'm almost lost in the encounter? Or do I come in the same position I was 20 years ago, hands in my pocket, hoping to endure the music, trying to get, trying, trying to get through, or have I been transformed in my personal praise of God? Have I grown? Do I understand what I never understood before? Does my life reflect the very nature that I've realized something about God, that he loves me, about the grace of God, about the power of God, about the goodness of God? I've realized that he's revealed things to me. Have I matured in this most intimate moment with God in praise? If I, if I revisit my personal ability to hear from God, and what I, what I could hear as a, as, a, as a new child of God and able to hear his voice and understand it was him, have I changed in that? Have I matured in my ability to hear the voice of God? Are the revelations more clear? Are the thoughts that enter as random? Are they more discernible than they used to be? Have I grown in my ability to hear from God? Have I become more acutely aware of that voice and that privilege of being obedient? Or am I where I was 
Am I where I used to be? If I revisit my personal connection with, with his body, the church, which direction is that going? Now, I can, I don't do anything. I, you, you know this. You know this about me. I don't do much to build this. This is God's business. He builds in here what he wants to build. This, he promised me when I became your pastor that he would build this church, not me. And I have been very excited to let him. But the question is, what does your connection with this body now look like? Has it changed? As a matter of fact, is it getting worse? I'm not talking about just this body. I'm talking about this river, this body of Christ. What's happening in your relationship? Are you more intimate in this body? Are you more aware of it? Are you, do you know where you fit in the flow of this river? If you revisit this question of personal connection with his body, have I grown more established and more connected or do I feel more estranged and aloof? If I revisit my personal testimony, is it changing? If I ask you to stand today, would it sound differently than it did two days ago, two years ago, 20 years ago? Is the testimony changing? With every new encounter, with every visit with our Father, is it changing by the revelations that we receive? You see, this is why I believe God has brought it up because I think there's a real, there's a real effect and real, a real consequence and a real evidence to the fact that for most of us, if I looked at anything that I have been doing for the last 20 years, no matter what it is, any skill that I have, any proficiency that I have, I'm hoping that over the last 20 years I've gotten better at it. I watched our kids take piano lessons. And they got better and they got better, but it really wasn't because of the teacher. It was because of the encouragement I was giving at home. It wasn't that hard. It wasn't that hard. That's what I said. I would stand there as this non-piano player and they would be practicing and they're stumbling over something and I'd say, Jay, here, okay, it's not really that hard. See, that's what made them such good, good pianists was, was that little bit of encouragement I was given. I couldn't have, couldn't have been that teacher. But the expectation was each day they weren't still going to be in the same book they started in. They would get better. Anything I have been doing for 20 years, I hope I'm more proficient. And I've been a Christian for 56 years. I hope there's been a change in me and that my testimony, my living evidence, announces that change. Without this awareness of being transformed, born anew thousands and thousands of time, times in a lifetime, being stuck, being stale, being stagnant becomes unfortunately normal. Stale, stuck, stagnant becomes the norm. And I'm concerned that's become the norm. I will assure you, it isn't. Luke chapter 2, verse 40, and the child grew. Now, who is this child? Luke chapter 2, what, what part of the Bible of Luke are we in? What's going on here? It's the birth of Jesus. So the child, Jesus, grew. Oh, Jesus grew and waxed strong in spirit 
filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 52, same chapter. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus himself grew, was changed, became strong, filled, based on that which he saw, heard, learned, received. He grew, he increased. I think that tells us something. I think that tells us there should be a trend in our own story. Parker shared with us last week a wonderful picture of the reality of barriers and brick walls, problems that are in front of us that cannot be met with human effort. Human problem, human effort. My mind went to the woman with the issue of blood. What had she done? Had a human problem. What has she done? Spent all of her money, visited with all the doctors. But we don't know her necessarily anymore as the woman who had the issue of blood. How do we know her? The woman who did what? Touched the hem, hem of his garment. Why? Because right now we know her to be a woman who is standing on top of her former problem. He changed her from glory to glory to glory. Because there is no way to transform us faster than through suffering. That which we don't want, that problem which we wish we didn't have, there's no faster way for, her, for Him to grow us, increase us, than through the struggle that we desperately try to avoid. Parker was such a good job. He reminded us as kingdom citizens we bring a supernatural reality to a human problem in front of us so that we can find ourselves standing on top of it, elevated, as he taught us. That message ties very well to our need to understand this morning what can make us grow, be changed or transformed more quickly than that struggle. What will make you get stronger in the weight room? Resistance, struggle, pushing against that which we yesterday couldn't do. Now I can say about myself, I'm capable because I pushed against that which yesterday I couldn't. But today through that exercise I can, struggle will transform us. He will do it in many ways. He does it in blessing. He does it in goodness. He does it in all the ways he will do it. But we misunderstand this one. We misunderstand struggles. We are buried under them. We yield life and love to them. We are afraid because of them. All those struggles do, and God's saying every one of those struggles was designed to put me on display when, when in a few minutes, a few days, you're standing on top of that which you feared the most. I love that, to watch David go against Goliath. Everybody afraid. David wasn't. He, wasn't gonna, he, he didn't take Saul's armor. He didn't bring human effort against the, that problem that they were facing. He, he brought this truth. I'm not afraid. I killed the lion and the bear because the Father was with me. So in a few minutes, David is standing on top of that which everyone feared. <clears throat> David was now the giant, no longer Goliath. Each one of those moments means there's an opportunity for us to be transformed. Bell's vision is perfect. I've got something, a human reality that I need to give him so that when he takes it from me, he will give back to me something in his place. And when I receive it, I will be transformed. I give, he takes, he gives, I take. What a beautiful vision. That's victory. 
That's transformation. We are constantly, consistently being reborn as a result of pain, both physical, mental, and emotional. We don't always like it, but he will grow us powerfully. What shapes and changes us more than that? Here's the scripture. This is Hebrews 5, verse 8 and 9 and 10. Though, we, though he were a son, and that son's capitalized, you see up there, that's Jesus. Though he were a son, yet learned he, in that interesting, learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obeyed him, called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus grew. Jesus changed, was learned. He learned obedience in the suffering. After 12 years of being your pastor, if I had a, a greatest concern that I could put in quotes, it would be that I would leave you too close to the place where I found you. You understand that? Any, any pastor's heart, that should be a concern that I have after 12 years left you exactly where I found you 12 years ago where God, when God sent me. If we follow this path, we must immediately again come to this final birthing process, death. For how can a lifetime of endless reemergence end how can a lifetime of being reborn end? The answer is, it can't end. Isn't that interesting? When I was born again, I got, I got involved in a living process. How long is that living process? It's forever. It's eternal. I'll never die. So there's no greater transformation short of my being born again than the moment when I get to be transformed by my death into what God has already seen. Death is just another rebirth, a new moment of being changed or transformed from death. Ultimately, at his return, we know this. It's what this song was about. We will be asked, what did we do with this gift of life? What did we do with this living process? What did I do? going from here to here over, the, over, my, over my Christian life. We will ultimately be asked that question. <clears throat> what did you do with this life, this living that, you, that I gave you? What will be our answer? And what evidence will there be for Jesus as he's standing there before us? What will our answer be when he asks us that question? What did you do with the pound I gave you? What did you do with the talent I gave you? What did you do with the life I gave you when you were born again? So what should, what should be different today? What should change today? This is the ultimate, what we need to get to. It'll be very brief. I would ask you to begin here. Do your own personal inventory of your life. Ask yourself, how much have I changed? What's the direction? What's the trajectory of my own life? Have I taken all that he gave 
and wrapped it up in a napkin and buried it? Or have I invested it in the life of others? Have I spoken these words of David? Because this is what David said in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and, and, and lead me in the way everlasting. Second, let us form in ourselves by choice the expectation to be transformed. You see, even sitting here today with me drawing this to people's attention, there's still no expectation that I'm going to live according to what's been revealed to me, that my life won't change. I'm, I'm kind of already determined. I am who I am. I'm, I'm stuck where I am. I'm going to live out where I am. And I'm asking you this morning to form by choice an expectation of being transformed by His Spirit. Third, let God touch us and openly welcome intimacy with Him. Intimacy is your destiny. It's not an option. God designed you in this relationship, this salvation, this new life of living. He designed in it a destiny for you, a destiny of intimacy. Fourth, choose a path to walk because it is your choice and release the life you've been trying to defend and maintain. Say that again. Choose a path to walk and release the life you have been given. To do it, you have to release the life you have been trying to defend, hang on to, and maintain. If you think that life's good enough, you will never be transformed. You've got to recognize, I do not want to be tomorrow in my relationship with him like I am today. I want to be transformed. Now, I want, in this moment, I'm fixing to play a song. <clears throat> a couple of things are about to happen. You're going to listen to a song. Or... If this change is, is occurring in you and you believe that I should be transformed by the encounters, this song is going to be your first opportunity to be transformed by the words of this song. You have a choice. I'm going to hear a song and leave like I was. I'm going to receive a song. I'm going to receive a message and be transformed. Your option right now. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.